0: You're listening to the Functional Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Patrick Hester and Tracy Townsend.
1: Welcome back, friends. Please make sure your pod seat and tray table are in their upright and locked position. The airlock has been sealed and docking clamps have been released for an on-time departure to the Functional Nerdverse. So you know, It dawned on me, actually, right there with that opening, uh, Patrick, that although the the intention of Grogu headbanging to the introduction uh, anthem of the functional nerds is to you know loosen things up for the guests or whatnot, I'm always the one who breaks and laughs. And I do this literally 50 times a year with you. What is wrong with me? Why does this still work?
0: It, it's just, it's a great sight <laughs> gag. You know, guess, uh, it, it I just guess. is. I it, and and Grogu <laughs> is the only bobblehead that I have, the one that actually. That is well, actually, true. Oh, I also have a, I have a stormtrooper somewhere.
1: Mm, probably on yeah, the shelf. Okay, yeah. Somewhere. Stormtrooper yeah, Groove stormtrooper. is is a thing too. Uh, uh, that but that's not, some, that's not that the same. That would have some definite like Taika Watiti kind of vibe to it. Yeah. Like I mean, I yeah. could,
0: I could, I could make Spock and ISIS kind of headbang a little bit. No, but it's just not, it's not the not same the energy.
1: Same. It's yeah, not it's same. not credible, really, is what no, it is. So there's
0: is- just something about Grogu, and I think, uh, okay, I'm going to be absolutely honest with you here, and and I know mm-hmm. our guest is waiting to be introduced, but uh, <laughs> I think I think the reason you, Tracy, laugh is because mm-hmm. of the look on the guest's face when it
1: happens. Oh, every I single suppose. time, yeah.
0: the guest the guest gets a little gets a little laugh going. Sometimes it's- they headbang with him, yeah. you know. It, but there's always a reaction, and I think that you're you're reacting to both.
1: Okay that's that's very charitable of you as opposed to yes. like I am just easily had my brain reset to to act as if I've never seen this before. So the 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 day that you should be hearing this is November 15th. And November 15th uh 2022 is a big day for lots of reasons. Not just because we're that much closer to Thanksgiving, not just because we're mm. we're halfway through the season of fall, but because it's debut day for Wayward, the second of the Wanderers novels from Chuck Wendig. Chuck, how are you?
2: Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are you?
1: We're doing great. So I got to ask, oh. like once upon a time when it was you sitting down saying, I'm going to be a screenwriter and I'm going to learn the craft of, of telling stories and the very compacted space of visual narrative did you have any idea that you were going to be like, and then I will, then I will evolve into my next Pokemon transformation and do 700 page doorstopper horror novels. That's, that's definitely where I'm headed.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. That was actually always <laughs> where I was headed. The screenwriting thing <laughs> only to get me there. Like I, uh, that's really playing long game. Good job. Yeah. So really stupid long game. This is why when people ask you, like, as a writer, like, how do you, how do I do it? How do I be a writer? I'm mm-hmm. like, well, the map is insane. You can't do what I did just like I couldn't do what anyone else did. So when I was first writing Blackbirds, uh, my first sort of original published novel, um, I spent a really long time trying to finish it, and I couldn't. And so I did I, joke, I did what any novelist would do at that time, which is I won a screenwriting contest. Um, and the screenwriting contest prize was a year-long mentorship with a guy named Steven Susco, who's kind of a horror screenwriter and now actually also a director. And uh, his specialty was adapting pre-existing material to the screen, and so I was—I literally told him because I won and I, you know, I got this mentorship, and so I literally told him going in like, "I I want you to help me figure out my novel so I can turn it into a screenplay, which I will then use as an outline to finish my novel." <okay> really? I was like, yeah, seriously, I'd have no interest in screenwriting. I mean, it actually did work out for a while where I I did sort of do some screenwriting and went to the Sundance Screenwriters Lab and we had a a a short film debut at uh, Sundance the following year with my writing partner. But uh, screenwriting was never the intention. It was always to write. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was just this elaborate front.
0: Yeah. It's like a heist. (laughs) And what, what's funny tracy uh, i'm gonna throw this out there you you and i've talked before about like what do you get out of podcasting right like what what's the yeah. what's the draw for podcasting and i've mentioned before like you get to talk to cool people like that is yeah. number one and so mm-hmm. you know we get to talk to chuck number two is occasionally you get something else so as an example uh, chuck just mentioned uh, uh his first book i have his first two books signed mm-hmm. downstairs on the bookshelf so mm-hmm. I'm just uh, saying there's yeah. like really cool things that come from podcasting. I'm, I, I, I'm not trying to wander away from the topic, uh, that, that no. we're no. just no. Yes. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nah, nah. <laughs> but these are the cool things. Oh, yeah. We get to talk to cool people. And, and the thing is like everybody to Chuck's point, everybody approaches writing a different way. Oh yeah. Right. And so, so Chuck's story and to what he just said, it's like he did it his way. He couldn't do it somebody else's way. Yeah. Someone else couldn't necessarily do it his way. Right. And yeah, it's just, yeah. it's just how it works sometimes.
2: Yeah. When people ask me, I'm like, well, first you have to spend 10 years writing role-playing games. And they're like, what? I'm like, oh, Yeah, see, there you go. Yeah.
1: Already, yeah.
0: I've
2: already derailed the train.
1: Yeah. Well, the other thing about it is, it, I don't want to make it sound like all woo woo and mystical and alchemical or something here, but the reality of it is like the, the way that you came into writing or that Patrick did, or that I did, we did it once. I don't know if we could do it again. Like, I, I think there's a combination of the confluence of events that were surrounding us and the circumstances that were motivating us and shaping our decision-making I, and the opportunities that existed and the actual say,
0: work hold, we were doing. But hold on. I will say that I think that I am about to start over. Oh, yeah. Because I've struggled yeah. so much mm-hmm. and and I can't, I can't seem to write. So yeah, I, I yeah. feel like I do have to approach it again and start completely over. So that's. Well, the, I don't that, mean that you perfect. can't
1: start over, but I mean if we if we tried to do it again from the start, we wouldn't do it the same way. Like I don't think that that, no. that yeah. it happens the same way twice. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's
2: like it's like Jeff Goldblum saying chaos theory in Jurassic Park. <laughs> <Chaos theory.
1: laughs>
2: yeah. We're just Every the time. water running down his hand.
1: Yep. Every single time. Every single time, there are worse things that I could imagine for myself than being a drop of water rolling down Jeff Goldblum's hand. Like yeah, that's not the worst thought that I've had all day. Of,
2: you know, sweaty, heavy breathing that he does in that movie.
1: He's sure. Sweating. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Wow. This is really good that we're we're adult rated. Um, that's, yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah this, is a, this is a Jeff Goldblum appreciation podcast from now
1: on. It is. Yeah. That's actually going to be. Uh, it's going to be get special guest Chuck Wendig colon yeah. Yep. Jeff Goldblum appreciation. Gold that's the, that was the plan from the start. So <laughs> that's
2: actually all that's in Wayward is just a long 7 day mm. appreciation. Yeah, yeah.
1: Jeff. Remarkably focused for having been called Wayward in that pretty respect. Pretty
2: focused. Yeah. It's it's an ironic title, I feel.
1: <laughs> in all seriousness, though, like I have been thinking a lot about. We're living, um, there's that expression, uh, which in some, allegedly in some cultures is like some com- form of a curse, like may you live in interesting times. And I think it's fair to say we've been living in some pretty fucking interesting times yeah. here for a while, yeah. uh, a little excessively interesting, uh, at least in my opinion. And I, I have to wonder, like, there's a bit of a push me pull you when you're writing material that's as as dark and complex and kind of soul searching and society searching as wayward as wanderers and now wayward have been how much of that is is being motivated by the world that we're living in all uh, right now or is you trying to like talk to the world that we're living in right now and make it make sense to you by by making it sit down and have a conversation or i don't know yeah, like how, yeah. how do you it's, reconcile that
2: it's definitely like i always say that you know in days of yore <laughs> right you had the sorcerer would draw the summoning circle in chalk or whatever reagents on the floor and summon demons into that space. And that's where the sorcerer could grapple with those demons. And for me, Wanderers is very much a book where I have painted a summoning circle and I've summoned into it way too many demons to wrestle with. And it's like I was I am both a a writer who is lazy and greedy. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, Wanderers, I had all of these kind of big fears and anxieties about the world that was around us and was theoretically to come. Uh, and instead of being like, you know, I could have probably mined those fears for like five different books, but I'm like, no, I'm putting them all in one book. It's going to be all one big giant thing. I'm going to mash them together and make them kiss like Barbie and Ken, like kiss you. Anxiety kiss. And uh, the weird babies that they had was definitely, um, you know, wanderers. And I didn't know, obviously what I was, quote-unquote, predicting, because, I mean, the goal was never to be a, a predictive engine for anything, despite the
1: no, uh, yeah.
2: artificial intelligence at the center of it. But, um, yeah, definitely some, I feel like maybe I accidentally unleashed some things with that book. <laughs> it,
1: it, we, we've heard that a lot. We've talked to um, we talked to Sarah Pinsker, you know, in the the wake of um, Song for a New Day. We've talked to, um, gosh, SB Divya and talking about sort of like machine intelligence and machine... Oh, yeah. Machine learning and how it how how the machines are paying attention to us and yeah. developing in response to us um, and there's just so many dynamics in which the classic idea that um, science fiction and fantasy and horror are in conversation with reality um, or or predictive it's on the one hand it, it feels resonant but on the other hand it's a it, I don't know. It's, it's an idea that for me has always fallen apart at a certain level, because I think you can also look at, at certain texts and say to yourself, if this was meant to predict something, then like, it, holy shit, it was way off. Like, cause we right. never, yeah. yeah like, where's my fucking flying car? Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. But I keep <clears throat> seeing told that I can't have jetpacks. But but no. oh, yeah. The jetpacks. But Are, sure. are, are you aware? So you're talking about this predictive quality of, of some of the science fiction and fantasy stuff, but, uh, are you aware of like the Pentagon program where they, and I don't know if they still do this, but they used to do this, where they would bring in the science fiction authors and they'd say, yeah. "Yeah, Yeah. How how would you, uh, how would you engineer an attack against the Capitol? How would you, like how do you envision these things? Yeah. yeah, Like there's a degree of future
2: studies where you have futurists who, you know, try Mm -hmm. to grapple with the sort of batshit ideas of how the future Mm -hmm. might unfold and and including how would terrorists attack, in 20 years like and certainly i mean the the, uh invasive that i wrote has at its core a character who is a futurist and that's sort of part of her Mm -hmm. her detective mystery solving thriller capability is seeing the weird ways in which things might unfold and some of that then and of course at the core is a weird uh, you know billionaire who is very um elon musky yeah not
1: that not that elon's on our mind at all these days um (laughs) you know
0: why we're talking about him it's no, fine. certainly. Yeah. Not. He, he, he tweeted that the bird is free, and I just wanted to say, yeah, it is. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the video, the video, uh non-video nature of the <laughs> podcast didn't fully capture Patrick's commentary, but I I invite listeners to, you know, um think and think through analogy. Um okay. yeah, I, okay, so, I mean I, I want to run with Patrick's idea there for a little bit. Let's let's wave our magic wand or I don't know, our our um you know, neural link back to like the, the, the MK ultra program or whatever we want to sort of envision it as being. But like, if Washington calls you and says, Chuck Wendig, we want you to come in and give us, uh, give us some consultation from your perspective as a futurist. um, Assuming that you were even willing to accept that as a label for yourself. What do you suppose you would talk? Yeah. What what do you suppose you even would want to talk to the powers that be about?
2: I don't even know. I, I mean, the thing is, right because like i get the question like oh with wanders you how did you, how did you predict these things there's a pandemic that comes from bats and rising you know crystal fascism and outside of like one or two little things that were like like oh like in the book like it's even wound because russia attacks ukraine and i was like but none of this was revolutionary i wasn't i, I didn't have some massive mystical farsight where i was like i have seen what will come like i it was all right there. I mean, it was like a puzzle piece or a puzzle made of like three pieces instead of a thousand. You're like, I just click these together. And we have pandemics every handful of years. They're just usually not as bad as this one, but it's inevitable that a bad one is coming. And zoonotic jumps are not particularly unusual. And Russia's attacked the Ukraine before. So the only one that was weird was um, there was, because in the book, it's Black Swan is the predictive artificial intelligence that sees the pandemic coming and decides to do something about it and there was an article about how the covid pandemic was predicted by an artificial intelligence called blue dot and i was like oh that one's creepy because it's two colors and it's two bl fronted colors black and blue so i was like swan and dot are not really related but it's just that simple cadence of black swan blue dot and i was like no oh that one that one felt a little too
1: i don't like it
2: i don't like it otherwise i have no i would have nothing to tell them I, i i don't know i write nonsense novels about stuff that bothers me. Like I'm not trying to, you know, have, it in, like, go call Cory Doctor. He understands things at a far <laughs> smarter level than I ever could.
1: Like, yeah. I
0: would just be like,
2: here's his, here's his email. Talk to Cory
0: But Right. But, but yeah. Chuck, were, were you talking about your book in front of Alexa?
2: Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been Siri, technically, but still.
1: Yeah. Yeah, possibly. It,
2: it, could, it could
0: have been worse. could have been, could have been in Cortana. Yeah, oh, God. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. <laughs> I mean, I, I, for me, I guess it's not so much... Um, I'm sorry, Tracy,
0: but every time I mention Cortana, I just have to throw it out there. Yes, let's name yeah. our AI after the AI in the video game that went fucking bonkers Absolutely and tried to bonkers. destroy everything. Yeah, yeah, that's some good branding.
1: Yeah, no, I, no that, that that's worth the sidebar right there. I yeah. think um, there's... And I guess it kind of relates to... it's relates to where I'm thinking at this point. We're like, we're really there i saw a meme the other day uh that said that like there's like a holy trinity of um songs out there that demonstrate that people are really bad at actually reading text thoughtfully and so like for it's, for example in um christian services on easter and christmas people playing hallelujah by Leonard Cohen oh, wow. um and then uh people playing um um zombie by the cranberries at halloween as halloween music and then the th- third one I forget what it was but it was equally wow you missed the point um and so I heard one word here and you just kind of ran with it yeah yeah Yeah. right right and so I I'm thinking about that in terms of the whole what do you talk to people who are the powers that be about and a lot of it I think for me would come down to like uh, technology wise I don't know how to make any predictions that are useful. Um, I don't know how to make any predictions biologically speaking, medically speaking that are useful. but I do spend a lot of time thinking about how we use words and fail to think about them. Mm-hmm. and how we are in this uh, a world where we can use words on a much larger scale than we have ever done before, and that anyone can do that. Um, that we are all effectively self-published by our social medias and spaces that we have curated, um, where there's the, this sort of risk of virality for things that there's been no effort to understand, to vet, to look at more critically. Um, and so I, I think that the thing I would want to talk to, to people who pull the strings of the world are, is like, why aren't we thinking more about how information proceeds out into the world? And how we we actually think about it. Um so I don't know. That would be my if, if somebody, if somebody summoned me and said, futurist Tracy, go go forth and prognosticate, I would just be sort of like, what the fuck, guys? What? <laughs> like you literally have whole departments as politicians who are about your messaging and who are about your information. How can you show so little concern for the messaging and the information of the commons? Yeah,
0: because 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 20 years ago, whenever uh, they held a film screening on the Hill for, for all the politicians, and it was the movie Idiocracy. And they went, huh, that could work. <laughs> <laughs> we could feed plants energy drinks. Yeah. That's a Yeah. Yeah. I still remember I, I wrote a I wrote a science fiction story and I put it through a critique group and I had looked back and blue jeans have been around for a hundred and something years and right. I thought well they're still going to be around because it's cheap and it's it's what people wear and so blue jeans are going to be around two hundred years watch and I put it in, and someone comes back with like you can't have blue jeans in a science fiction novel they would come up with something better they would have some sort of synthetic really great fabric blah blah I'm like no no they're going to have blue jeans. And I saw an article
2: recently that was about how, like, there are all these turns of phrase we ascribe to being modern, but they're 100 plus years old. And so, but if you try to write historical fiction now that included any of these, it would feel anachronistic because they feel like modern turns of phrase. I would
1: the Tiffany that. Paradox. Yeah. But yes, It's just like yeah. a
2: funny, you have it both ways. People's expectations of what should be in a thing don't actually have to match what could or should be in a thing,
1: which is really unfortunate. Yeah 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 we have a sort of funny relationship to our art, and that we got that links to so many other things that kind of permeate the nerd sphere. Um, like the arguments that people make about, well, you know, we, we can't have people who are this color or are this open orientation in our fantasy epic because they historically didn't exist. We're like, ah, yes, the history of the <laughs> Valinor, to yeah, which we right. must be very carefully tuned <laughs> yeah. in uh, I mean, I the history I'm, of Middle uh, Earth.
2: There is some weird, like the, because I, I ran up against this with Star Wars where yeah. people treat a certain mm-hmm. level of canon as if it's, historical, like it's factual. Mm. Even though history is something we rewrite all the time and learn new things about, they can't learn new things about Star Wars. Even if it's already in there and they have just simply ignored it or there isn't a Wikipedia entry about it yet, they are very locked into a mindset. And canon is a super poisonous thing, even though Tolkien was a mess with his own canon. Appropriate as he should be. That's great that he is. That's the whole fun of the thing. Um, But people are... And of course, then it's just really a nest for their various little bigotry's.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. Tolkien, Tolkien was like, "Yeah, you know, he's wearing a, a blue shirt," and this kid will. But last time it was a white shirt, Dad. What the hell? How but is this possible? <laughs> I, <laughs> it's, I, I, uh, it's a mood ring. Andor is on right now, and yeah. Andor uh, has a, uh, a gay couple, a queer couple in it, mm-hmm. right? And and someone's going. I think this is this is like the first. Time we've seen that in live action, Mm. Uh, other than a other than a like a momentary kiss in in one of the uh, one of the movies, one of the uh, Ray movies, and uh, I was like, I I didn't even think about it, and then and then when someone pointed out, I was like, oh man, the internet must be shitting themselves, yeah, right now, that's just got to be like blowing up, and I haven't looked because I don't give a shit, but (laughs) that is that is the correct (laughs) answer. Absolutely, correct. I think
1: that that you s- endorsing that as the answer probably anticipates um, how you would answer this this question that's in my head. But you know, you've you've been really um, online culture, such as it is, culture mm-hmm. seems like a maybe a, a term that gives it more respect than sometimes it's due. It's had a lot of influence on both your visibility and, in some places, your career trajectory over the last how many, number of years. And I guess at some point I have to wonder, like, how, how do you kind of cordon off your brain, your creative space, your, your sense of self as a creator so that whatever is percolating on the interwebs does not interfere with your ability, or you can limit how it interferes with your ability to do the work that you want to do. Like what's that? that's, a, that's, I think a wrestling match that lots of writers and creative people yeah. just deeply struggle with.
2: And I have no good answer. I'm not sure I have successfully cordoned off. I mean, these days I feel better about it because I have reduced, I mean, really it may come down to the simplest thing of, I've reduced my time Mm -hmm. with those pieces. And in doing so, I say fewer things and I respond to fewer people and I see fewer things, which just simply brings the water level down, um, you know, Mm -hmm. in terms of all of it. So, uh, Mm -hmm. and it's hard because some of it has been incredibly good for my career and, like, I, I wrote a post about Twitter the other day, and it's like, it, it, looking back, I'm like, I think Twitter has made me a better communicator and a worse communicator. I think it's made me a better person and a worse mm-hmm. person. I think it's done some things in some really powerful, wonderful directions, and I think it's just completely destroyed me as a human being in other ways. Mm-hmm. It's super not good. So, um, and that's true, I think, of all social media. Of course, a lot of the other social media are sort of a little more toothless now um, in a good way. I don't, Instagram tends to be fairly pleasant. Like, it's not, I don't know that it's wildly impactful, but it's like, that's a cute dog. Good job, everybody. Yeah, I mean,
0: exactly. <laughs> I, internet, I can the internet and move
2: on with my day, and there's no controversy in in how adorable that dog happens to be at that time. So, uh, but Twitter is definitely you know nuance free hot take land, and part of it is it, that it's evolved to that point too. It wasn't always kind of that way. Even when you sort of got into uh, you know unruly conversations early on, it felt at least still like conversations, not like yeah. say a 240 character thing quote tweet to try to socially lever themselves in a way that's you know so that's where it feels like it becomes more positioning than conversation conversation is agitation and sometimes you know agita it's still more productive because it's people still being honest even if they're honest in their anger and concern over whatever the conversational topic happens to be it's not that anymore um it's Mm -hmm. just it's just performative fight club now so um we're all kind of (laughs) we're all kind of fight clubbing it um, I, but I don't, I don't I, know how to, like, you know, if if I ever really did cord it off, or I'm just
0: uh, just reduce my time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm just going to throw it out there, Tracy. We've had Ari Salvatore on a couple times now. He insists that we call him Bob, <clears throat> and every single time, like we talk to him, uh, he brings up, you know, oh, I killed Chewbacca. And people were, yeah, and and that's the thing that that's people still to this day. God, that's been know, like thirty years ago it. now. And they hit him with <laughs> it every single time. He's like, it never fails. I go to a convention. He was talking about going back to a convention for the first time in years. He's like, because of COVID. He's like, I'm going back to the convention, and I know it's going to come up.
2: No. Yeah. It's going to
0: be the Chewbacca thing again. He's like, I've I've done so many other things, I've and been on
2: and it comes up. I absolutely. Yeah. Right.
0: And the, the reason I bring it up is because, you know, I, I, I've talked about this. I struggle with Catholic guilt. I gave, I gave Catholicism up for Lent like 25, 30 years ago, and I've stuck <laughs> with it. <I'm laughs>
2: yeah, you found the loophole. Why you give it up for Lent? I can't it back. <laughs>
0: But uh, I, I still struggle with some of the, the, the concepts and, and some of the things that were just drilled into me, the catechism, as you will. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I still struggle with Catholic guilt and it never fails. I'll see Chuck post something about something that has blown up, like that has come back for the 10th time. It's like it yeah. went away and then it comes back for the 10th time. And yeah. I immediately feel bad and feel guilty for Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean, that's, that's like where I go. I'm like, he's having to deal with this shit for the 10th time. This is terrible
1: no it's just it's like it's it's recycled
2: the the tolkien tweets that watch yeah like a a weird it's like a red tide like well there's the algae is blooming i don't know just don't breathe it in today just three it's gonna be a three-day tide just
0: try not to look at it okay so 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 part of it is i'm i'm i am personally impressed with how you handle these things uh because i know that it's incredibly stressful and it can't be it can't be fun at all
2: no you Um, know it's one thing when it's like just silly and it's just I think what bothers me about it, the thing that really got under my skin eventually, was when it used to happen. It was very clearly a certain sort of like gamer gait-y culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not listening to those people in the first place, and no one's listening to them. But now you watch, like, you'll see it start there, but then it'll move into people who are like real people saying Mm -hmm. stuff. They'll kind of absorb the hot take action of it and be like, oh, well, this is. I'm now salty about this. And you're like, no, no, you, but then you, you realize those people are listening to the worst people. So people who yeah. are real, maybe you even know, or people, you know, know are actually secretly listening to some of the worst people in the world. And it, it's yeah. just sort of a little bit, even it's like both personally upsetting, but then kind of mm-hmm. in a social big way, you're like, Oh no. Oh, we're all connected to the worst humans. This is really bad.
1: Yeah. I,
0: I, I once fell into a trap. Uh, and it was a total trap. So I don't use Twitter much anymore. I use it to promote functional nerds, uh, mm-hmm. and we have our own feed there. but I don't I don't particularly do much other than a Wednesday doodle uh, with with Jeff Patterson. he and I don't trade Wednesday doodles. Uh, but I fell into a trap where someone posted something that was so sensational and so salacious and and just like I, I it was one of these things where I'm like, oh my fucking God, I can't believe this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was about um it was about a, a really high profile editor at a really high profile publisher who had done something bad to an author. Mm -hmm. And, and it was just like, Oh my God, I can't believe this. And I commented, I'm like, I can't, this is, this is awful. I can't believe it. And I get a message back. That's like, this was seven and a half years ago. It was resolved. They're friends now. Right. But the trap was someone posted it like it had just happened. Yes, like it was real and it had just happened, and I totally fell into that trap. And now I, I, I always fight my instinct to mm. comment or, or yes. like I will read something and I'm like, oh my god, no, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this shit. Up. What? What is this? Yeah. How long ago did this
2: happen? Because it's like a groundhog yeah. day for controversial hot takes.
0: Yeah, so yeah, there are people it's, who it's just largely, recycle
1: these things. It's a largely it's a universe that's constructed largely without context. Yes. And people who are looking to kind of burn the oxygen in that space are relying on it not having context. Yeah. They want very much to have the sort of sound bites or word bites of their, you know, their their take de jour to kind of go out and to to flame up as quickly as possible because context is a dampening agent. You know, context has a tendency to to make things more complicated and to muddy them in some way. And one of the things that I do in in my teaching job is, um, like, fun fact, but I'm, like, the only member of the English department at the school where I teach who doesn't actually have a degree in literature. My degree is in rhetoric. And so, like, I, I'm very accustomed to kind of, like, looking at political discourse and, like, um, like my whole sort of master's degree focus was on, um, like – you know, how do you do counter messaging for, um, you know, political purposes and things like that. And so I have a whole unit that I do with these sophomore high school age kids. That's about showing them bullshit on the internet and being like, is it bullshit or not? And it's, no shade to them because there are their parents can't do it their grandparents can't do it most of their peers can't do it the majority of them don't know when they're being fed bullshit and yeah. so i feel like one of my sort of sacred charges is to kind of teach them the toolkit that you need to kind of you know introduce context and to take that wet blanket and to sort of drop it onto that flaming object that's been put in front of them because absent that you become you you get burnt up with that that hot take itself you know you become part of the fire that's fueling it
2: i do that with um our 11 year old i'll right usually drop like an a, a lie and usually an absurd lie but like he's 11 yeah. the absurd lies sometimes land and he's like really there's a werewolf presidency mm-hmm. you're like oh so but i mean you'll just be like okay does that feel like a real thing or like my wife would be like do you think daddy's telling the truth there and I'd be like <laughs> no and you're like why and it's just mm-hmm. trying to unpack that stuff and then sort of conveying the lesson that you know adults are not always don't have your best interests in heart and you don't always have the best information. That's not to say you should automatically believe everyone is lying to you or that conspiracies are all true, but at the same, you should just be willing yeah. to like, say apply context, consider some critical thinking, pick it apart a little bit and just, yeah. just sit with it. Look at some experts. You know, one expert is not as good as 10. Like just
1: yeah. do some work. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, there's so much in that kind of un filtered, unmonitored space of communication that is just relying on people not knowing the... con. A couple of years ago, I've, I have a 15-year-old and 11-year-old. My daughter's almost exactly the same age as B-Dub. Um, and I sat my 15-year-old down when he was about 11 or 12 and was getting much more online. Yeah. And uh, when we were when we were having this sit down... I took him to, um, fun fact, for those of you who are parents, you might want to check this out, Um, but the Southern Poverty Law Center has a whole subsection of its website that goes through common memes and symbols used in online social groups that are, in fact, hate signs. And, uh, I knew that he was getting into discord and that he was starting to have like friend groups there, but I didn't know entirely who they were, or what the deal was. And so I sat him down and I'm like, here is your vocabulary quiz here, kid. Like if you see people using these things, you need to head the other direction. And we'll, we'll talk about why. And, um, having that, that knowledge is, just so deeply, and I guess it kind of goes back to the whole, if anybody ever summoned me to be the futurist sort of thing, I'd be like, it's not about the future. It's about yeah, the present right. of, of the discourse. And like, what do we do with it? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Not not, my- and, uh, not to be too self-serving, but w- that was one of the things in Wanderers I wanted to put in was all yeah. these, um, you know, sort of chapter flavor text pieces that were from social media grabs that had some of those pieces of like things that aren't necessarily automatically a thing you trigger as like, well, that's yeah. a white supremacist, you know, thing. It's just a Viking thing, isn't it? Like, no, no, that's it. That's, mm-hmm. that's a code. And you need to know these codes. Well,
1: and it's also, I think that using the novel as a space to put those sort of, um, those grabs is really ideal because as, as a reader, you're positioning your reader to have more information about the total narrative of what's actually happening in the world. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're sitting at a remove from it that the characters themselves don't entirely have because they're just people who are going through their, their version of this apocalypse. And so that becomes a kind of way of reminding your reader that it's not just in the space of this novel that's exploring this, this breakdown, but it's, it's this is, kind of the way things function in our own world as things are in struggle and breaking down.
0: Word. I
1: agree. Yeah.
0: So there's good a, news.
1: Hold on. Hold on. Sorry. Go,
0: There's a show I love, and I've talked about it before. It's called The Good Fight. Oh, It's yeah, streaming good. only. It's on Paramount. Uh, it's a sequel to uh, The Good Wife, uh, which was a CBS show. This follows uh, Diane Lockhart. And a couple of the other characters from uh, The Good Wife, uh, and now they're in their final season. And I just want to throw it out there: they're, they they talk a lot about this stuff, especially the social media stuff, especially like the rise of uh, just the weirdness. And I feel like in their final season, they have just leaned really hard into it, and it's kind of like a dystopian Chicago. It mm-hmm. is, yeah. It's creepy how
2: the explosions and the yeah and and, and angry protests. It,
0: yeah. And and every single day outside their building, like the street is full of these like white supremacists who are, are, are uh, doing marches and blowing up shit like they blew up a car or something. Uh, now there's like bullet holes in Diane's window in her office because she's got a corner office. Like they find these bullet holes like someone's shooting at them. And, and it just it just feels like they're leaning hard into that. And it kind of goes into the whole thing that we're talking about. It's like, is that predictive? Yeah. Is it, it like, are they predicting what's coming or are they just saying this is where it could go unless we fix shit now? Yeah. Or are they yeah. just saying this
2: is where it is now just times two. Like it's like, or they've just, yeah.
1: yeah. It's a amplifier
2: Drawn yeah. on a hard permanent marker line around what's happening now. If you, uh, yeah. do you watch, exactly. evil, by the way, their sort of sister show.
0: I have seen the first season of evil. I have not, or and the second, I think, which was streaming. I have not watched the third.
2: Yeah. The third leans even harder into some of the stuff that you see in the the last season of Good Fight.
0: I have said previously, like, the first season of Evil lived up to its name. It did. Oh, my fucking God. Yeah. That, that guy, <laughs> the guy ones. with the glasses, the, yeah, he, he plays that part so yeah, well. And he is just I so know. insidious in how he does everything. And then season two really leaned into it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I just haven't done season four three yet yeah it's uh, but
2: I, I think it's maybe the best of his seasons maybe
0: uh mm-hmm. I, I, I you know uh the actor who played luke cage is in it he plays a priest yeah, he's, he's really good in it uh, yeah it's just such a good show
1: that's really cool that's really cool yeah. so i wanted to I've, I've kind of i told patrick about this before so uh, and i didn't tell you chuck because i um I wanted to see if you'd be willing to play a game. This is oh. not like a crazy saw thing, I swear to God. On the more positive end of the online universe, one of the things that, that you're known for is your love of heirloom apples. Um, that You're you're big-time apple dude. Um, and I'm like the Midwestern equivalent big-time apple gal well, uh, for really, my yeah. birthday – Oh yeah! Like for for the for my birthday present every year is that there's a particular orchard that we go to, and that's oh, that's, that's what we do. We just go to the orchard, and I spend like a hundred bucks on apples, like a maniac, and then you just specific, like
2: anything there that you specifically are into.
1: Um, unfortunately, some lot. of the ones I like best are just don't generally show up in the Midwest. Like, I really do love Macombs, and I um, Mutsus are really great, but they're very spotty for the Midwest. You don't see them a lot. Um, but recently I got, uh, snow crisps. Um, those were really good. Uh, pixie crunch, which are like adorable. They're like adorable little lunchbox apples. But what I'm getting at here is I wanted to play a game and I'm going to make Patrick play it too. Mm -hmm. I can't play because I know what the answers are, Yeah. but, um, this is on my mind because my kids are having a Halloween party today. We're recording this at the end of October. And uh, on, on, for the Halloween party, they're probably going to play Jackbox games at some point. And there's a Jackbox game mode called Dis or Dat, where there's, there's a name of something that is ambiguous, but it might be this thing or it might be that. And you have to. So I want to see how Patrick and Chuck do with is it an heirloom apple or is it a boat?
2: I (laughs) was thinking Hobbit because, like, a lot of the airlines.
1: No, no, it's boats. I had this idea last. I'm like, some of these sound like yachts. And you know what, son of a bitch? I looked it up this morning. They aren't. So, all information for the following segment are taken from scottfarmvermont.com, sailingimage.com, and ukboats.com. So, you can check my receipts on this. Are we ready? Want to give it a go? Let's do it. All right. Epis Is it an apple? Or is it a boat? Pietois. Oh. It translates to star lady from French. Oh, Pietro. Awesome. Boat. I
2: don't think I've heard of that apple. But, I mean, there's a three count.
1: What do you think, Patrick? Is it apple or boat?
0: It's a, it's a boat.
1: Okay. So he's going boat. What do you think? Boat. Okay. It is an apple. Is it really? It <laughs> is an heirloom <laughs> apple. It is. Okay. All right. Ready? pie whack it. Apple or Boat.
2: <laughs> I've heard yeah, it. Look at I your look, face! Like, I've heard so of it. I, I ran apple.
1: all these with my family beforehand, and they only batted like fifty percent on it, yeah, which is yeah. great for baseball and it's bad for apples.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, man, pie I've uh, batted it. it, but it sounds familiar. Um, <laughs> I'll say apple, knowing that it's probably a boat.
1: All right, what do you think, think, Patrick?
0: I'm still going with boat. Yeah,
1: Patrick is correct. It is a type of racing yacht. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: not even okay, a yeah.
1: Yeah, Baldwin, oh, apple, apple. Or apple or boat?
0: that's an apple. I'll go with Chuck and say it's an apple.
1: All right, He's correct. That's an apple. All right. It's
0: apple. Actually, it's a really good apple.
1: All right, Etchelle. Etchell, E T C H E L L, Etchell. I'll say boat. What do you think, Patrick? Apple or um,
0: boat? Hobbs is shaking the camera, so I'm going to say
1: is. apple. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> my cat just jumped up on the table here. Um, it's it's actually a racing yacht, and the shell is ah. a racing yacht. All right. Blanc de Vire. Another French one here. Oh, Blanc. Trend, Blanc.
0: Yeah, Blanc. The that's
1: Patrick. Uh, I I I'm
0: going with Chuck. Apple.
1: Yeah, okay. Don't don't question the Apple man. It is indeed an apple. <laughs> when he's right. like this, yeah, he's yeah. like, yeah, that's right, right yeah. yeah. Riverbell. Riverbell? Riverbell.
0: Riverbell. Uh, See, that, I'm that, saying, that's, that's, boat, that, right? I was going to say, but that could be, that could, could be a trick. A mislead. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm, the pie say Wacket a was a, yeah. was a boat.
1: Yeah. pie yeah, Wacket was a boat.
0: Yeah. I'm saying say apple. Boat. I'll say boat.
1: All right. It is an apple. It's one of the apples I actually bought on, on my most recent <laughs> trip to the, so yeah, it's lovely. They're, they're like a, like a, like a sour sweet, very nice. they heat. Riverbell? Absolutely. Riverbell. Okay. Uh, R I V E R B E L L E. All right. Fast 40.
0: Right now. Fast
1: 40? Yeah. Fast four zero. 0.
2: Well, it's definitely not an heirloom apple,
0: but it could be that, yeah. you know, there's so many new. I'll still say boat. Fast 40.
1: Uh, Patrick.
0: I, I'm also going to say boat. That sounds like
1: it's a racing boat. yacht. All right. Yeah. All right. Westfield Seek No Further, which oh, totally yeah. sounds like a Puritan preacher.
2: That's no, an apple. There's a number of seek no further apples. That's actually All right.
1: Okay. It is indeed apple. an apple.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. All right. And here is our very last one. Are you ready? Yeah. The twenty ounce Windows. Twenty ounce. Yeah. <laughs> no, not Windows. <laughs> that's uh, a,
0: that's a that's the secret name for the next version of Windows.
1: Oh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a forty ounce because that's what you have to drink after dumping frustrated yeah. with it.
2: So. Um, um, yeah. That's interesting. Uh, apple. I'll say apple.
1: It is an apple. Yeah. I have no idea why it's called the 20 ounce. I guess you'll just have to go to That's Scott Farm, name. Vermont to, to, to figure out why indeed it is. Scott.
2: Just, means it's a
1: yeah.
2: heirloom. Yeah. It's a New York yeah. Heirloom.
1: Yeah, there you go. So known there as
2: the 18-ounce. Okay, guys, figure, figure yeah,
1: it out. That, yeah, that's just cheating right there. Just They're the just throwing Cayuga numbers at Red shit. The Cayuga Red
2: Streak, which also sounds like a boat, the Cayuga Red Streak.
1: I had some other really good ones in there, like the Ingrid Marie, which cool. definitely has boat vibes, but is yeah, 100% an apple. Yeah. Uh, the Palawan, which has a little bit of a Star Wars vibe to it. Great. That's a racing yacht. Oh, man. Uh, Maiden's Blush. Mm-hmm. Yep. Apple. Yeah, yeah. Sounds yeah. like a boat, though. Yeah, sounds like a boat. Sounds right. like a boat. All right. So with that, I think we're ready for picks of the week and to to wrap this up in the in the spirit of goodness and joy.
0: Yes. Picks,
1: picks of the week.
0: week. And Chuck, that is the last holdout that is still in Elio. You know, making the same <laughs> picks of the week. <laughs> That's it. I haven't, I haven't replaced it yet. I was thinking about maybe reaching out to Stace Johnson and saying if he wants to do a new one, but I haven't done Ooh, it yet. So that'd be fun.
1: Yeah, see if he's up for it. All right. So um, my pick of the week is uh, this is actually reaching back to someone we had on as a guest earlier this spring. So I want to say it was either March or April. Now I can't remember which. We had Mary Roach on. Um, And she was wonderful and fun, and she was promoting the book Fuzz. And at the time, I had her on because I'd read literally every other book she'd done, but I hadn't read Fuzz yet. Now I'm reading Fuzz, and big surprise, it's wonderful. Yeah, mine copies right to my right. I need a Yeah. Name. And yes. so for, for those of you who don't either didn't hear that episode or don't remember it, uh, Mary Roach is a former travel journalist who's become sort of science culture writer, um, who is just hilarious and insightful and, so and does this. Yeah, completely accessible, writes about stuff that is um, a little a little unexpected in the sense of, um, the different foci and things she chose. And in the case of fuzz, she's chosen, uh, human animal interactions as they result in essentially crime. Um, so the human animal crime. And I'm currently, uh, reading all about efforts to protect the, um, the tea estates in, um, India from, from, uh, rampant elephants, and I have read about uh, relocating bears and all the reasons why you can tell the difference between uh, bear wounds versus uh, leopard wounds and all sorts of other things. And oh,
0: You mean real bears. I thought you meant the relocation of the bears from Soldier Field out into the suburbs of Chicago.
1: Uh, no, no, that's happening because uh, increasingly Chicago and the bears suck. That's, that's yeah. just a completely separate <laughs> issue. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, so I've been having a great time reading fuzz by Mary Roach if you're the sort of person who's like ah, I don't read I don't read science nonfiction you do now you really need to check out fuzz it's fun
0: what what I remember from the episode where we had Mary on was that you and she uh, embarrassed me horribly and made me blush
1: um was that because we said titties a lot because yes. I can say titties more if that's yep. if that helps because was the thing it's, it's possible Like there's there's no actual titties on this call at this moment. But if there is a titty related issue, I can make sure that in our next meeting, we address all titty related discourse that meeting minutes are going to be fabulous for that. Yes, it is. It's very important. (laughs) (laughs) Chuck, how about you?
2: Uh, Gosh, I'm torn as to whether or not I choose um, a cool piece of science, uh, you know, journalism or uh, or Apple related things, because I have I have.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, we're really steering you here. You you Uh, are
2: allowed to pick two. Oh, I'll pick two. I'm doing I'm greedy. See, I told you I'm greedy. Um, Mm -hmm. For a book, uh, Ed Young's an immense world. Speaking of animals, it's all about animal senses and how animals perceive the world in ways we really don't even understand. He is another writer who is just super accessible funny i mean his a lot of his pandemic journalism has really got me through the pandemic but yeah, um, that's obviously a little more dire just in its subject matter and um both this and his previous book which is about the uh, microbiome are just so good uh and then i made an apple crumble recently that was one of the best uh apple related things i have made in a very long time so i'm trying to go through because there's all these old sort of american style though some of them have european origins um Non pie pie like desserts, right? You've got your crisp, your crumble, your slump, yeah. blunt,
1: pain, yeah, the belly, Betty,
2: cobbler, yeah, brown yeah, Betty. So you've got all this. I'm trying to just sort of go through them one by one just to see like, are they worth the differences? Is it meaningful? So I've done the crisp and I it was fine, but then I did a um, crumble. And the difference between a crisp and a crumble, depending on who you ask, is completely nebulous. But the New York Times had a really good apple crumble recipe. And if you look it up, You'll find it, but I did some tweaks to it instead of uh, lemon juice. I used a little blood orange juice. Um, I also put a pinch of ginger and cardamom in with the cinnamon, and I did a mix of um, uh, pecans and walnuts instead of just, I think they chose pecans as their nut. So, um, but then the apple choice was interesting because I used a lot of interesting sort of mix of apples, golden russets. Um, I had other things from Scott Farms, I'm trying to think what else was in there, uh, sheep's nose. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, gosh, what else? Uh, Cavo uh, Blanc Diver. I don't speak French, so whatever. That yeah. Is. Um, but then there was also an apple in there that was new to me, uh, called the Sun Crisp, which is a
1: oh, I got those. Yeah. Oh,
2: they're really they're so great.
1: good. They're, so they're like good. sort of yellow gold with little yes. pink streakies. Yes. Yeah, and they
2: got them nice rusting on them. And they uh, have one of their parents is the Cox's Orange Pippin, uh, which is mm-hmm. one of my favorite apples, so it totally tracks. It was in there, and the SunCrisp is a great keeper apple. So you can keep them for like six months in storage, and they will be yeah. very good later. So there's my my wrecks, as it were.
1: Fantastic. Nice. All right, Patrick, how about you?
0: Uh, I'm going with something that I probably, given given the given what this is, I probably should have mentioned it last week uh, when we were talking to Clay Harmon and we were talking about California, mm-hmm. but uh, I didn't. So I'm going to mention it this week. Uh, Star Trek's lower decks is one of my favorite shows. It's hilarious. It's an animated Star Trek. And they poke fun at everything. And they they recently uh, introduced every single California-class ship. So the Cerritos that the crew is on is a California-class. And the California-class okay. does not get a lot of love. Uh, they don't get a lot of respect. They tend to be the, the ships that Go like for second contact or like follow up contact after a enterprise kind of does first contact kind of thing. The less
1: sexy shit. Yeah,
0: so <laughs> they they get they, it's like oh welcome to the federation you know blah 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 and then we're gonna we're gonna come we're gonna give you some infrastructure but not us we're leaving goodbye and then the California class shows up and like gives them a replicator or something and uh, but they recently listed all the names of all the California class ships and it cracked me the fuck up. I was laughing so because there was a, there was a USS Fresno. There was a USS Merced. Like they just had all these ships named for different cities in California and it cracked me up. So that, that is literally my pick. It's just the California class ships from Star Trek. Lower days. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was fantastic. And, uh, yeah, it, it gave me a lot of joy. I, I the show in itself just does. Um Canoli Joe, one of our one of our listeners just recently like as of last night I think was catching up and came across Peanut Hamper. And Peanut Hamper is a character on the show who is an Exocom from uh, if you remember Star Trek uh, the Next Generation there was these little Exocom droid things that kind of floated and did stuff and they became sentient. Okay and okay. uh peanut hamper is a descendant of one of those and she joins starfleet and uh yeah it's it was a hilarious episode and they did a follow up episode in season 3 mm-hmm. with her and uh so joe was like i, I know i'm behind but peanut hamper <laughs> <laughs> like how, how did how did how did that name come to be a thing and it's yeah it's hilarious I'm peanut awesome. hamper so. i just want
1: no, I think I think you need to get like a hamster and name it Peanut Hamper. I mean, that seems like the appropriate homage right there. Well, that that does remind me. Have you have you had any
0: conversations with Dee about DC's uh, League of Super Pets or whatever it's called? Because they, they do have... have the army of super powered guinea pigs.
1: Hmm. I did convey to her that Evil Uncle Patrick had had recommended the DC Super Pets um, mm-hmm. and. And she's she's down for it. She's down for it. But she's very committed to the Buffy watch at this point. Ah. She's having her her experience there and is really kind of neck deep in it. Um, okay. So anytime that I'm not actively doing something else, she's like, do you want to watch some more Buffy? <laughs> so we're we're nearing the end of season three. And, um, you know, it's it's a whole thing. Uh
0: Oh, the feels are about to hit.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 Well, we're, this too, it's yeah.
0: This feels all the time.
1: Feel all yeah. the time so many feels well all right i'm having the feels now because of course we have to say goodbye but it's been super awesome having you on chuck hey
2: thanks for having me this is a good i'm excited I'll all come right on so randomly
1: oh, absolutely so okay so people are looking for wayward and of course they'll want to make sure that they read wanderers as well where should they find it and you and all your awesome stuff
2: Well, it will hopefully be available at any uh, of your local bookstores. Failing that, um, my local bookstore, Doylestown uh, Bookshop, will sign, personalize, and send directly to you, which is cool. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm at TerribleMinds.com. I'm theoretically on Twitter, at Chuck Wendig, but who knows? I don't know. Mm We'll see. I mean, just, you know, I'd say Google me, but God only knows what you'll find, but I'm sure there's that. social yeah. media it's somewhere at the top. Just don't go. Don't go deep. Don't look for Don't type in Chuck. Wendy Tolkien. That's not going to work well.
1: No, okay. no. Things thing. You'll see things. Yeah, dark, <laughs> dark times. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Holy crap.
0: This year is just flying by, isn't it? Sheesh. As always. Thank you for listening. Special shout out to our backers over on Patreon for putting up with all the shenanigans Tracy, totally Tracy, does over on our super secret private Facebook group. I mean, <laughs> she is just constantly posting stuff over there like, you know, articles, uh, movie and TV show trailers, even like daily music videos at this point. I mean, yeah, that's that's totally all Tracy. So, <clears throat> thanks, for, uh, thanks for backing us. If you want to know what the hell I'm talking about, go check out patreon.com slash functional nerds and throw us a couple bucks. Then you will gain access to our super secret private Facebook group. Now, I will say, You and I have to be friends on Facebook in order for me to invite you. It's a Facebook thing. It's weird. So there is a process. But still, uh, it would be really cool if you backed us and then, you know, joined us over there. Anyway, Robert and Todd, they totally promised us they would do this spinning sign thing on their street corners to drum up some listeners. And... To date, they haven't actually followed through. So if you could go give us some stars on your favorite podcast platform, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, wherever you're going to, to find us and listen, that would be awesome. Well, We'll work on the spinning sign thing with Robert and Todd. It's maybe sort of a holiday push. I can see them now dressed as elves. And not the cool ones from Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Can only Joe said he might, might consider some sort of social media campaign around the poodles for, you know, the upcoming Hugo season. Cough. Before I forget, Beyond the Trope hit 400 episodes recently. That's pretty cool. Giles and Michelle were very, very Properly excited about this. 400 is a huge milestone for a podcast. To celebrate, why not go check them out at beyondthetrope.com. They put out a new episode every Tuesday, talking with writers, artists, and creatives from all over the place. And that 400th episode was pretty cool. So again, check them out over at beyondthetrope.com. Now, I'm sure that... This is the point where I would normally have some more uh, stuff to kind of say, things to tease our backers with, but I totally forgot to write it. So, Mister Carpiers, you got it right. How about that? Yeah. You can call me Cannoli Joe. If you've if you've never listened to the podcast, there there's there's two different styles here. There's there's Tracy who does prep work and comes up with some very thoughtful questions, and then oh Squirrel.
1: Oh, for God's sake. Patrick Louise.
0: (laughs) Are you okay with me recording you today for the purposes of this podcast?
1: (laughs) That's probably a good enough signal.
0: (laughs) When someone comes up to me and says, hey, I really love what you do. I'm like, I'm sorry. Do you know who I like?
1: I think you have me confused with someone else. The whiz bang and the gosh wow and the sense of wonder stuff.
0: My favorite thing about time travel is I actually had a time travel joke for you guys, but you didn't like it. I'm so excited.